With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every qualifying stage. Book at choicehotels.com. Now, here's the man who's been recognized as radio's best. The recipient of not one, but two prestigious Marconi Awards for his broadcast excellence. The one and only, Bill Cunningham. All right, now, Billy Cunningham, the great American, this glorious Sunday night. And uh, we have prepared tonight, I think, a fabulous show with many different components and elements. Most importantly, in about 20 hours or so, the Iowa caucuses will be underway. And we get, begin the slow process of uh, selecting at least the Republican nominee for president. And then, of course, the Democratic nominee has always been and will be someone other than Joe Biden. As you know, I've been saying for many months that the Democratic Party is not that stupid. They can't be that dumb because what lies ahead is a literal political minefield of difficulties for Joe Biden that deal in three or four or five different areas. Number one is health. He is mentally incompetent to be the president of the United States. He is so bad that those around him, including those undersecretaries in the Defense Department that may have known what Lloyd Austin was going through, thought that Joe Biden was completely irrelevant to the, to the nation's defense. And why tell him? Because he doesn't matter. He doesn't count. Know your role and shut your mouth, Joe, Scranton Joe, because those around you understand that you are completely immaterial, irrelevant. You are fungent. You don't count. Because when something serious happens, they don't tell the president. Because his decision-making is not relevant to any decision the executive branch is going to make. It'll be done by the Donna Rices and those around him that actually will tell him what to do. Plus, there's a direct line between those around the president, the so-called president, and uh, Barack Hussein Obama himself and Michelle Obama who's getting much more verbal these days. She's much more loud about what danger. It is dangerous to have the policies of Donald Trump as opposed to the policies of the Obamas and the Bidens. So as a consequence, when something really bad happens, like Lloyd Austin is A-W-O-L, he's not some uh, two-star. This is the chairman. This is the guy in charge of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. This is the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin absent without leave, don't know where he is. And when the White House discovered where he was, they didn't tell the president because the president's knowledge or decision-making is non-existent. It doesn't matter what Joe Biden is doing. He gets to work at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, puts a cap on things at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and has spent about 70% of his time either on vacation or sleeping. It's like a senior citizen retirement center is the White House and the U.S. Senate to a large extent. But in the White House, the president is completely mentally incompetent and broken down and can't perform his duties as evidenced by those around him. 
when important matters transpire, they don't tell the president because it doesn't matter what he thinks. He doesn't make any decisions. So that is sick and it's sad. And on a side note, uh, I, I hope Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin finds his way. Any man, and it is a man that has prostate difficulties, not a woman, who was having some difficulties for one reason or another. Of course, it could happen to anyone at any point at any time. It is the nature of being 70 years old. You have problems. But Lloyd Austin's difficulties, I think, listen to some of the Sunday morning talk shows, they seem to imply that he still is at Walter Reed, which is fine. It could happen. But the CYA, what happened is that uh, the White House is putting out the idea that they're disappointed in Lloyd Austin for not telling the president that he's incapable of performing the duties. But it doesn't matter. You know, this is the guy, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, who testified under oath that the two largest problems facing the military is, number one, white supremacy, and number two, climate change, and the impact that military bases have on climate change. I wonder if Hamas and Hezbollah, I wonder if the IDF is concerned about climate change or saving their own lives. It is ridiculous. DEI is D-I-E. So much is decided now in government and by corporate America based upon one's race or sex and not based upon their merit or their competency. And so it is sick and it's sad that we have a military that's twenty to 30,000 below enlistment. We have large numbers of uh, the foundation of service in this country, whether it's police officers or correction officers or deputy sheriffs or whether it's uh, ambulance personnel that uh, aren't filling the quotas because don't want to serve, don't want to be involved. And after one year of trying to find white supremacy, about two weeks ago, quietly, the Department of Defense released a study saying there is none, white supremacy. But the damage has already occurred. If you're some white guy, if you're a black person or Hispanic, would you want to join an organization that is inherently racist? Of course not. So when the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Milley, and the Secretary of Defense testify that there's rampant white supremacy in the U.S. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Merchant Marines, Coast Guard, who wants to join that organization? It is filled with racism. This is after Colin Powell said 15 or 20 years ago that the, that the most racially free organization in America is the U.S. military. And he would know. But see, that didn't fit. It didn't fit the agenda of the radical left to keep keep the game alive, keep the game going. So very sadly, we have another exposition of what is happening under Joe Biden that must be fixed starting tomorrow in Iowa. It is colder than a well digger's butt in uh, in Iowa. It's going to be like minus five degrees. But damn it, this is so important, incredibly important to the nation to get over and end the regime of Barack Hussein Obama slash Joe Biden. And no one in Washington, we have a congressman coming up later who was involved in the deposition of Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's a liar, by the way, not the congressman, but Dr. Fauci. We have that circumstance happening right now in Washington where there is no firm political leadership from the executive branch of government. And in the House of Representatives, there's like a two-vote majority with all the Republican resignations, et cetera, or indictments of people like Santos. There's like a two-vote majority. So they can't get a damn thing done 
unless Hakeem Jeffries and Nancy Pelosi agrees, because whatever happens, there's going to be several Republicans on one side or the other that says we can't go along with that. So now this morning it was floated the idea on one of the Sunday morning talk shows to have some sort of shared speakership with Hakeem Jeffries. Are you kidding me? That is a non-starter. That doesn't exist. It cannot occur. So everywhere I look, I see the radical left infiltrating large parts of our society and hurting it profoundly. Before I get on to the great guests we have scheduled for tonight, one thing caught my eye that is not well publicized. Headline, FAA. This is Pete Buttigieg's uh, responsibility. Has a diversity push that may change DEI the DIE, the Federal Aviation Administration, under Pete Buttigieg, the ridiculous, idiotic mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who couldn't fix potholes, has now issued a order that uh, somehow diversity, equity, and inclusion must be used to put inside the FAA large numbers of persons who are, quote, underrepresented. Now, as an American that flies on airlines quite often, I assume you do a lot or occasionally, I couldn't care less whether the pilot or co-pilot or those servicing the mechanics of the planes, those building it in Seattle with Boeing, uh, the 737 Maxes. I couldn't care less if they're all black, all white, all uh, old, all young, all disabled or not. Couldn't care less. What I care about is a merit-based system where you have to be mentally and physically competent to do the job. You have to be at, at a at the starting point involved in airline travel, which is safe. We had the safest airline record, despite the 737 Max's difficulties, uh, in the history of the world. But listen to this. The FAA is actively recruiting workers who suffer, quote, severe intellectual disabilities psychiatric problems, and other mental and physical conditions under a diversity and inclusion hiring system put out by Poopa, uh, Pete, not Poop, <laughs> Pete uh, Buttigieg, uh, who's Secretary of Transportation, quote, according to, according to Pete, quote, targeted disabilities are those disabilities that the federal government, as a matter of policy, has identified for special emphasis in recruitment and hiring. The FAA website says the following, quote, those include those who are hearing, vision, missing extremities, partial paralysis, complete paralysis, epilepsy, severe intellectual disability, and psychiatric disability and dwarfism, quote, unquote. The FAA's website shows the agency guidelines on diversity were updated on March 23rd of 2023. So the FAA wants to bring into the airline industry underrepresented persons, including those who will quote with severe intellectual disabilities and psychiatric disabilities of one type or another. <laughs> Precisely does the FAA plan to put these people to work inside the airline industry? I would assume Pete Buttigieg, because of DEI, wants large numbers of those who suffer from, if that's the right term, dwarfism, psychiatric disorders of one type or another, complete paralysis, epilepsy, and severe intellectual disabilities. 
Now, as an American who travels, would you want someone piloting your plane who suffers from schizophrenia with effective components, but this person now is in remission and feeling much better? Why is that required? Because it represents the next frontier, according to Pete Buttigieg, of uh, inclusion and diversity and equity. Now, you're listening to someone who has spent years as an assistant attorney general in the state of Ohio conducting hearings on those who are, shall we say, uh, mentally unfit, and that somehow there used to be a rather extensive psychiatric hospital system in which individuals were held for 3, 10, 30 days, and then six months, and then every year based upon their disability psychiatrically and, and how we can make it better. Many families have been affected by psychiatric disorders and, and mental difficulties of one type or another. There should be more money spent as available for mental diseases of one type or another. Practically every family, including my own, have had elements, family members who suffer from various elements of disability. But it doesn't mean they should pilot an airplane. It doesn't mean that somehow merit doesn't count anymore. Diversity doesn't count. It's about equity. Equality doesn't matter. It's about equity and inclusiveness. This is one of the most asinine things I think I've ever read. I thought it was a joke. And what kind of psychiatric disabilities are now permissible? It says schizophrenia. Well, according to the FAA website, those with bipolar disorder or manic depressive disorder or other disabilities, including schizophrenia with effective components, should be hired by the FAA. There are no minuscule or menial jobs in the FAA. Everything that happens, including maybe putting a bolt on a piece of metal on a 737, is critical to the safety of the uh, millions of Americans and others who travel on American Airlines every year. As, as the feds, have they gone bonkers? What in the world could the U.S. taxpayers paying for all this have to gain by the FAA taking action to include in its workforce those who are psychiatrically disabled. I, I'm stunned. You kind of you kind of can't make this up. But it's all about not competency with the federal government. It's about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, to apply it completely across the board, including with the FAA. You, it, it's it's unbelievable that this could happen. And it's happening right now in the good old United States of America. So we have a president, by any fair standard, not covered by the mainstream media, who's mentally incompetent. Do you think that uh, that uh, Joe Biden could sit for hours on end with interviews by numerous news types probing him on every complicated national and international issue and give answers that made any sense? When's the last time that happened? It doesn't happen. It doesn't occur. He can't campaign. He can't do four to five events a day. He can't properly read a damn teleprompter, for God's sakes. As opposed to the Trumpster, Donald Trump spent time with Fox, spends time, uh, time with various interviews, sits for hours, gives speeches, whatever. The guy's 77 years old, but he's mentally alert. Joe Biden, look at Joe Biden just three years ago. He's physically has changed and mentally has changed. Imagine this. We have 15 minutes to respond 
to a ICBM thermonuclear attack against the United States of America before cities are taken out. Fifteen minutes. In that 15 minutes, the president, with the football, communicates directly with the Secretary of Defense, who directly communicates to the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, to directly communicate to our Air Force and other uh, service elements in Colorado. Quickly, a decision must be made. Does anyone think that Joe Biden could make a decision of that character to launch ICBMs from South Dakota or from submarines? Does anyone think that that's even conceivable? The answer, of course, is no. It is not conceivable. Secondly, how incompetent is Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin when he goes AWOL for about a week and no one in the Defense Department or in the executive branch of government knows where he is? He is incompetent. This is the guy who says that white supremacy and climate change mitigation at U.S. military bases is the most critical fears he has and factors as Secretary of Defense, who simply walks away for a week and doesn't tell anyone where he is. What if we were attacked by the North Koreans or by the Chinese at that moment? If they knew what was going on, we had no chain of command. It didn't exist. Some undersecretary or administrative assistant would make a decision to launch thermonuclear weapons because the president is incompetent and the secretary of defense can't be located. I can't imagine a captain somewhere in Iraq, U.S. military captain, missing for a week in action wondering, hey, well, where is Captain Danny Gleason? Well, he's gone. Where is he? We don't know. How's this possible? You can only imagine. Only imagine if this happened during the Trump administration, how ugly, how ugly the media coverage would be. But quickly, this thing is ignored. And the FAA's insane diversity push to put in the pilot seat those suffering from psychiatric disorders is part of Pete Buttigieg's uh, desire to have an underserved population serve for the U.S. government as if no other job they could do. It is unbelievable what's happening. That's why what's going to happen tomorrow in Iowa begins the process, and it is critical. Now, let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, 866-647-7337. And as we continue, we'll talk about the, what's at stake uh, tomorrow in Iowa and break down who's going to join you and I tonight. Bill Cunningham, the great American, with you every Sunday night. Hi, Billy Cunningham, the great American, and uh, we've lost our mind. Things are crazy. Things are unbelievable. You can't make it up. You can't actually say that the U.S. government wants to fill airline jobs with those suffering from mental disabilities and schizophrenia. You can't make that up. But I read their website and some minor reporting on it because this will never hit the major uh, newspapers or major cable channels or ABC, NBC, because it makes Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden look completely stupid and incompetent. So that'll never happen. But we, we cannot, <laughs> I cannot say more clearly that what begins tomorrow in Iowa has got to be to change the regime in Washington before it's too late. And it's getting later and later and later. Well, let's continue with more. Coming up later will be Professor Bruce Fleming, who has spent more than 30 years as a professor at Annapolis, the Naval Academy. He's written a book which explains what's happening there, and it's frightening. 
Let's continue. Bill Cunningham, the great American, with you every Sunday night. All right, Billy Cunningham, the great American, and uh, coming up later, we have Congressman Brad Wenstrup. You may recall the media doesn't cover this well because uh, it makes Dr. Are uh, the Bidens, the winners are Hunter Biden, the Clintons, Barack Hussein Obama, and, of course, his lovely wife, Michelle, likely to be the Democratic nominee for president, by the way, and Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Collins of NIH. And they're the ones that the media protects at all costs. And very rarely do you see someone uh, say that, uh, you know what, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci lied repeatedly to the American people. I'll say it. He lied repeatedly to the American people. And as a consequence, persons died because of the negligence and failures of our federal government. But because the media is invested in the success of Dr. Anthony Fauci, we uh, will not know the truth for a while. But last week, the uh, Select Committee on COVID Origins, headed up by Dr. and Congressman Brad Wenstrup, who's going to join us in about, uh, uh, join us in a little bit, about 20, 30 minutes, conducted uh, two days of transcribed interviews with Dr. Anthony Fauci, in which they went over all the elements of COVID-19 as things turn out, because something much worse and COVID-19 may be planned by the American people. It may be even worse than what happened then. And so what we have then is a circumstance where sometime later this month or next, Dr. Anthony Fauci will be in the Congress, in the House of Representatives, testifying under oath about the numerous mistakes, errors, and lies. One may think, okay, the six-foot separation rule, well, that's a problem because there was no science backing that up, whether it was four feet, five feet, six feet, 10 feet, 12 feet. And I believe that uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci is going to testify that the he picked that number out of, out, of the, out of thin air, six feet, seven feet, eight feet, but everyone took it as gospel, didn't they? He also talked about wearing a mask. And you might know right now there are many hospitals in blue cities and blue states that make everyone wear a mask. Well, Dr. Anthony Fauci will testify that there's no double-blind studies indicating that mask wearing is effective at all, except maybe in a surgical setting when you scrub down the arms, the fingertips, and the nails, and you have uh, assistants or nurses put the gloves on, and you put the mask on, and maybe an N95 mask works in that situation, but the, wear, the way masks are being worn by the American public has zero effect on transmission. Did you know that? Secondly, and thirdly, how much money, how many millions did Dr. Anthony Fauci make off of COVID-19? You may remember we were told early on that there were special creepy crawling creatures, including bats in caves all over China, and that somehow they made their way to a wet market near the Wuhan lab. And as a consequence, some worker in the lab went into the wet market and somehow got infected by a bat or some other crawling creature who then took it back into the lab, unbeknownst to him, and uh, people started dying. That was a lie. How about this one? It appears that gain-of-function research in which you take a virus, manipulate the genome of that virus with other viruses, and create something that is more communicable and more deadly. And who funded that research, do you think? Well, that was funded by the American taxpayer. And so early on, Dr. Anthony Fauci, could not 
in good conscience tell the truth about that? Because if he did, he might have been indicted by the Trump administration, but he didn't want to do that, did he? Of course not, because the truth did not work. That was a problem. So uh, coming up later, we're going to have testimony under oath in public this month or next about uh, the failures of the federal bureaucracy to keep the American people safe and informed. And I want to shout from the world's tallest mountain, you, as American taxpayer, paid for the Wuhan lab to create COVID-19 that resulted in about a million Americans being killed by a virus and maybe 10 million around the planet. And that those responsible, that Dr. Anthony Fauci types and Dr. Collins, Francis Collins, have gotten off scot-free with government parachutes paying them hundreds of thousands of dollars every year and seemingly made millions of dollars in private investments. And they got got away with it. And I hope that the bureaucracy, mainly our Democrats, working in the federal bureaucracy, the fourth branch of government, is in the business of not, in any good way, making sure that this does not happen again. In fact, it is very likely it will occur again. And when the public testimony uh, is uh, made available sometime later this month or next, you're going to see again the Democrats defending all the decisions of Dr. Anthony Fauci because that's a bureaucrat. That is someone they're connected to. That is someone they're going to protect. It is sick and it's sad, and that's what's happening. Page two. Tomorrow in Iowa, we begin a critical part of changing the thrust of what government should be starting in November the 5th, later this year. Imagine if the interchangeable drill bit stays in office as a Democrat. It might be, could be, unlikely, Joe Biden is reelected, or Kamala Harris takes over under the 25th Amendment between now and then, or Gavin Newsom, or my choice for the Democrats is Michelle Obama, who can jump in in July and August. Uh, and simply dominate the Democratic field at the convention in Chicago and become the the uh, Democratic uh, nominee. She doesn't have to raise money. The media will fall at her feet and praise her, although she's held no political office and uh, has made $100 million out of Netflix, and she is the likely nominee of the Democrat Party. But she would encourage the Marxism and leftism of the policies of Joe Biden. Imagine right now, the policies of Joe Biden, more or less the bureaucrats around him, continuing open borders on the southern part of our great country. Imagine that is happening not the last uh, three years, but for the next uh, eight to ten years. Because once Michelle gets into office, she'll be there for eight years, in which case her husband, Barack Hussein Obama, would basically run things. Imagine open borders for another eight to ten years leading to massive increases in spending on welfare and food and, and food stamps and national debt and more. The bankruptcy of America is well underway as I speak. We cannot survive. We cannot survive with, uh, with $34 trillion in national debt and adding $2 trillion every year. But that's the plan. One has to assume, would you assume, the logical consequences of one's actions? And so right now. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have, beginning tomorrow in Iowa, a circumstance where we must, by any means necessary legally, morally, and ethically, begin the process of changing the government in Washington. The open borders are overwhelming our major magnificent cities and will eventually lead to the collapse of civil society and eventually the United States of America. A country without borders is not a country at all. How many times I had a distant family member who related to me about two weeks ago that she went to an emergency room and I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she went to a big uh, city hospital and she was number 62 in line to be treated in the ER. She had blood pressure that was 200 over 180, and she had a slow heartbeat, and she was sweating. And she sat there for four hours waiting to be served. That's in Cincinnati, Ohio. Can you imagine reporting to the ER in Los Angeles or Chicago or, God forbid, New York City? because we've admitted into this country tens of millions of individuals who don't belong here and are here illegally. So eventually, the United States of America will kill itself internally through suicide, not by some foreign power taking over. Open borders have produced, in addition to what's happening in our civil society, an unprecedented crime epidemic. Have you seen the smash and grabs? Have you seen what's happening in Portland, Oakland, basically is emptying out. Oakland, California may not exist in three years. That's why 70% of us say that America is on the wrong track. Joe Biden is letting into America the world's most violent criminals and rapists and robbers and drug dealers, MS-13 gangbangers, all with a dramatic shortage of police. So on one hand, we have unprecedented crime being committed in our previously magnificent American cities. And on the other hand, the policies of the Democrats indicate that we need fewer police and pay them less money. And on top of that, the healthcare system is near collapse. The public school system is done, and that'll be a disaster for America's children. The classrooms are completely overcrowded or being emptied out by New York City to let more illegals go into high schools and live there. There aren't enough teachers, not enough teachers' aides, not enough principals. The schools are overwhelmed with crime and gangs and drugs and teen pregnancy. In fact, there are many vending machines in major American cities in the high schools that have condoms and Plan B contraception inside the school. Also, the open borders are a national security catastrophe. Why? Because we have no idea. How many military-age single males have come into America from Iran, from Iraq, from Africa, or from China, or from North Korea? We have no idea. We can only guess what happens if and when the Chinese military or the Iranians say, we need America to be pinned down inside the United States of America. Let's uh, take care of the power grid inside the United States, blow up a few buildings and a few bridges. Let's march. Large numbers of foreigners led into this country because of open borders are leading to the death of American cities, filled now with crime and homeless people, needles, 
San Francisco is a poop map. You got to get your poop map out to literally walk around. And uh, also, we're going to talk about uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and his uh, sworn uh, testimony in about a half an hour. But how many open borders have led to third world diseases like measles and mumps and strep, yellow fever, dang, and polio? How much does that happen? It's going to lead to the bankruptcy of our healthcare system. It's not coined. It's not created to handle an additional 10 to 20 to 30 million people with unique diseases. We're paying for the world's sick and ordinary medical care for the rest of us, tens of millions of Americans is gone. It's unbelievable. One has to assume that what Abraham Lincoln said about 150 years ago, that when America falls, it will not be by a foreign power. It'll be because the United States itself committed suicide. We're in the process now of committing suicide. Why? One might say, I have no idea as to why this is happening. But I must assume that the Democrats must intend the actual logical consequences of their actions because they dislike this country. They want to destroy the United States of America. The Marxist liberal Democrats, they hate America. They hate American citizens. They want you to live in poverty and misery, and they want you to suffer because that gives them more power. They don't want independent Americans making independent decisions independently. They want to collapse the middle class with electric vehicles and with expensive gasoline and the power grid going down. They want to get rid of the public school system and public health in this country because then you have chaos, nothing but unbelievable chaos, whether it's health care, the military, the lack of police, uh, too many liberal federal judges, Mayor Adams in New York City kicking children out of public schools and putting in large numbers of illegals. And somehow that's supposed to be acceptable. Many times you have to wait weeks, months, or years to get a doctor's appointment because the system is not created to handle this many individuals. You're going to wait months to get specialized treatment or surgery while in pain and misery, which is happening now in England and many European countries. And the cost for you as an American paying health care costs are going to skyrocket. And your health insurance premiums will skyrocket. So will your taxes. Our government is providing free health care, like in California, to millions of poverty-stricken, illegal foreign invaders who have no right to be here in the first place. So when that transpires, guess what? Those who pay into the system are going to pay a lot more for Plan B, Plan C, and your corporate plans have skyrocketed, and they're going to keep going that way. And could these foreigners bring in a new disease, a pandemic? Absolutely. Who's going to suffer? You are going to suffer. That's what's on the ballot tomorrow. So let's continue with more. And uh, my God, are we in trouble. We're in serious difficulty. It's awful. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. It's going to go one direction, which is uh, not a good one. So coming up later, we have that, that same Congressman Brad Winstrip. They spent uh, t- at least two days the past week dealing with uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, talking about the origins of COVID-19, how much money he made from COVID-19, the lies told about the Wuhan virus, the lies told about schools closing under his orders, the uh, six-foot separation, the masking, all of which made no sense at all. And it's flabbergasting to me that we used to have a media. We had a media at one point that would spend its time ferreting out corruption. 
there is so much corruption in the Biden family. You can't you can't get all the corrupt individuals straight. You have so much corruption now in Fulton County with Fonnie Willis, the prosecutor. I guess boyfriend is appointed, Nathan Wade, to conduct the most important criminal investigation and indictment in the history of the state of Georgia. That is indicting Donald Trump in a sense to put him in a Georgia state prison for life. And Nathan Wade, the so-called boyfriend of Fannie Willis, has received close to a million dollars from Fannie Willis to investigate Donald Trump. And then she benefits from that by going on expensive trips all over the world with her boyfriend, who's now going through a divorce. And when I watched some of the coverage this morning, even CNN had a lucid moment in which they had an expert on saying, this doesn't smell right, this isn't proper, to have the prosecutor herself benefiting by the appointment of the special counsel to indict Donald Trump and about 19 other individuals. So Fonnie Willis is participating in the money caused by the lawyering to put Donald Trump in a Georgia state prison for the rest of his life, and even CNN thought that was a problem. CNN had a lucid moment, which is unbelievable. So let's continue with more. Plus, later on, it's a it's a fabulous story, and it's a sad one. But uh, later on, we have on a 30-year-plus individual as a professor at Annapolis, and he's a great American professor, Bruce Fleming, who has written a book about uh, how DEI is destroying the nation's service academies. So I had seen an interview that Professor Bruce Fleming did a few weeks back, and I asked him, how do you keep your job? In fact, as he didn't keep his job, he wanted to expose what's happening with DEI. And when he did, the service academy fired Professor Bruce Fleming. But then he sued and got his job back. He's written a fabulous book about how DEI is destroying the service academies from Annapolis to West Point to Colorado Springs, the Air Force. And he knows exactly of what he's speaking because he's been teaching as a professor, not in the military, but as a civil professor for more than 30 years. And guess what? He speaks the truth about what the military is doing to itself, which is why so few now want to enlist. Plus, later on is uh, Scott Powell, who's written a long article in Newsmax about how much trouble we're in. But more importantly, Scott Powell of the Discovery Institute is a fabulous guy who is very positive. So we're going to deal with him and more. So if a line becomes available, 866-647-7337. Bill Cunningham. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Great American with you every Sunday night. Bill Cunningham, stay tuned for more. Congressman Brad Winstrup up next to ask Dr. Anthony Fauci two days of questions. Bill Cunningham with you every Sunday night. Willie. 
to you by Choice Hotels. Econolodge and Roadway Inn Hotels are serving up double points for every qualifying stay. Book at choicehotels.com. Now, here's the man who's been recognized as radio's best. The recipient of not one, but two prestigious Marconi Awards for his broadcast excellence. The one and only, Bill Cunningham. Bill Cunningham, the great American, as you may know, Congressman Representative Brad Winstrup has been in Congress now about 10 or 12 years. He decided to, at the end of this year to pack it in and go back to the, back to the vineyards, let someone else drink the wine. And he's going to go back to his ordinary life, which makes a lot of sense to those who know what uh, Washington is. But there's been a lot of reporting this week on the two days of transcribed interviews that he had with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Later on, there's going to be uh, same interviews, not under oath, but uh, they're told ahead of time. They're governed by the rules of perjury. That Dr. Francis Collins is also going to testify with the idea down the road, maybe this month or next, to have the... Uh, testimony public in, the, in which case dr anthony fauci will have to answer for to be kind uh, the misconceptions and the mistakes that he's made to be unkind the lies that he told over the last several years because dr anthony fauci has been not beatified he's been sainted by the mainstream media and uh but uh congressman brad wenstrup is a doctor and he's head of the subcommittee in the house on uh, select committee on COVID, the origins and the fallout and Congressman Brad Wenstrup, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. And can you tell the American people, uh, essentially, why did you conduct two days of private interviews looking forward to his public testimony at some point this month or next? Yeah, the private interviews uh, do very well as far as being able to ask a lot of questions, whereas in the other members have five minutes to ask questions, and they know they can just uh, beat the clock. Uh, in this case, we have a little bit more time. I tell you, we could have gone two or three more days, to be honest with you, with all the questions we had, but we still learned a lot. I mean, let's face it. Uh, Anthony Fauci was the face of the pandemic or the government's response to the pandemic. Uh, he weighed in on a lot of issues. Uh, but in these transcribed interviews over a hundred times, just on the first day over a hundred times, he said he didn't remember things. But we learned a lot anyway. You know, we, we asked him about uh, how they came up with the six feet of social distancing. And he said it just sort of appeared. Uh, yet I think most America thought that he was uh, speaking with some kind of scientific background on that. Uh, but no, it just a appeared and, and that's what they went with. And we had similar questions when it comes to masks. You know, was there a double blind study to show effectiveness or anything along that line? There, re there really wasn't. Uh, per se, and of course he changed his mind on that. He said masks won't do any good, and then next thing you know, people are being told they have to wear them. Uh, and and you know what? If if you don't know, just say you don't know, but you right. think it might help, you know. Right. But that was never the case. Everything was I know, and you just have to follow. But it was really interesting too. So you have the situation of the United States government uh, funding grants that are for people to perform research in Wuhan, China with coronaviruses, uh, likely doing gain-of-function type research where you're taking viruses, altering them around either through uh, multiple passages through animals or just changing them uh, by kind of working like Legos, if you will. And if you put a more dangerous part that makes it more infectious uh, to humans, uh, that is gain-of-function research. Or if it happens, if you're running it through animals, but that's gain-of-function research as everyone understands it. 
And, you know, you go back to 2011, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins wrote an article about it. Uh, they realized there's risk involved with it. They had that in their article. 2012, Dr. Fauci said in an interview that the benefits outweigh the risk, even though the question was posed, are you concerned it could create a pandemic? So we know where they were and where they have been on this. But the process in uh, NIH is there's an advisory board that reviews the grants. Dr. Fauci said, uh, he said, I, I, I just signed them. My job is only to sign them after they've been approved. And, and then, we got into, then we got into oversight of these grants. So, you know, the question starts coming, where does the buck stop with any, who's responsible for anything? When we said, well, what about the grants? Because we know, for example, EcoHealth Alliance have got a grant to do this type of research in China was not keeping up with the responsibilities of filing their periodic reports of the progress of their work. But no red flag went off at, at NIH or NIAID, which Dr. Fauci's in charge of, and no red flag goes off to say, hey, you, you owe us these reports. And when we asked him about that, he said, well, that's over in compliance, and I don't have anything to do with this. So, you know, he's just, he just signs off on, on grants for research he, hasn't, he says he hasn't explored, and then if, if things aren't going well, then that's not his fault either. Uh, you know, we, we, we asked about, do you have you know, oversight over foreign labs when we invest and do research? And he said, oh, I wouldn't even know how to do that. So it seems like he's just saying on all these things, that's somebody else, that's not my job. Basically, he says, I was focused on the virus and I was focused on a vaccine. We talked to him about mandates, uh, which, which he supported. He, he felt that, you know, well, the, the more people we get vaccinated, the less people that will die. That's what he says. But he then he admitted, he said, I guess I didn't uh, really, uh, I'm trying to paraphrase here, understand the psyche of America. And I said, no, mm. you didn't. And, and you took doctors out of the equation because never was it, you know, understand your own health situation with your doctor. Understand what the vaccine can and can't do. Because even from the trials, we knew that people got vaccinated. They still uh, got COVID in many cases. Fewer people were dying and fewer people being hospitalized. And, uh, you know, you had President Biden saying, if you get the vaccine, uh, then you won't go to the ICU and you won't die. Well, that, yeah. that wasn't yeah. true. And, and he never he never contradicted the president on that. He never let the American people know, know the truth about that. So this is all of this is where the trust bro broke down. And I just said to him, the messaging was just terrible. And I and actually you go back to the Trump administration where I'd recommended when they came to the doctor's caucus, I said, I think America needs to hear from the doctors that are treating COVID patients, not the right. politician and not the person in the lab. And so we really came away with, with a lot of things. And there are people that we have spoken to, positions of authority that uh, could tell a different story uh, than we're hearing from Dr. Fauci. And we did have Dr. Collins in, actually, um, a few days after Dr. Dr. Fauci. And so, again, one of the interesting components is that most people might recall the exchange with Senator Paul, where Senator Paul says, you were funding gain-of-function research in China. And he said, no, we weren't. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, lo and behold, after that, he comes up with a new definition for gain-of-function research. Gain-of-function research, in every article I've read, and I have read many, many of these articles, is about enhancing a virus that makes it more infectious. Not 
just infectious to the point of a pandemic, but just makes it more infectious. So his new operative definition, as he coined it, means that it becomes a potential pandemic pathogen. Well, that's a different story than anyone's ever said about gain of function. So conveniently, now he and Dr. Dr. Collins say, oh, well, that's the definition we were thinking about. Got to change but the, but the NIH uh, website did not say what it says now. They did that after that conversation with Dr. Paul. All right, Dr. and Congressman Brad Wenstrup, as someone that's covered this for the last, since March of 2020, uh, I thought the six foot and the masking was a placebo in order to get the masses to understand what a serious problem it is. And so when uh, Dr. Fauci, everywhere you went, there was six foot separation. There was no study to indicate that was effective. And that's the truth. Masking, uh, there's maybe an N95 in a surgery setting may work, but there was no double-blind studies to indicate the masking had any impact. Also, just as someone who covered this, as I understand it, the uh, original goal of Dr. Collins and Dr. Fauci was to convince everyone that there was some bat cave in southern China where these nasty bats developed uh, COVID-19 and somehow made their way to a wet market, just happens to be right up against the Wuhan uh, virus facility just happened to be there and that these wet little animals were infected and that it was created not in a lab but created by the bats so no, you can't sue a bat and I, I thought the reason that story came out is because they had to keep the truth from the american people that the american taxpayer funded the wuhan lab yeah. to gain a function research was to take a virus that was a little bit communicable a little bit uh, making someone sick and to make it more communicable and make it more deadly. And when the American people knew that Dr. Anthony Fauci funded the creation of COVID-19 that killed about 1 million Americans and maybe 10 million around the world, he would be somewhere in Leavenworth. So they couldn't tell the truth about that matter because they were complicit. Am I on the mark, off the mark? Where am I in those comments? Well, I think everything points in that direction, especially if you follow the conversations that took place with Dr. Collins, Dr. Fauci, and a group of scientists that he put together. Dr. Fauci said, well, every environmental virologist that I know of, you know, uh, they wrote this piece, too. They said that it came from nature. Well, that article, Proximal Origins, he put these scientists together in their internal conversations. They keep saying, well, this thing looks engineered. We sure can't rule that out. Even the day that Dr. Fauci took that article, Proximal Origins, to the White House lawn and said, look, these scientists said it came from nature. He didn't tell everybody that he was involved with these guys. And even Dr. Fauci said, well, we know, in fact, that they were doing this type of research in China. During our conversation, he says, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said, in fact. Well, you did say, in fact, and you said, in fact, because the people who wrote that it came from nature were telling you that this was going on there and that they thought it looked engineered, uh, but they didn't think it was going to be good to get that out. So they write this article, not only that, studying the science of what they proposed, how it could have happened in nature. The bats were in Yunnan province. The other component that was added to the bat backbone, if you will, of the virus was something that came from an animal called a pangolin, and they're over in Guangdong province, and uh, Wuhan is in uh, Hubei province. They're not anywhere near each other. 
they are a triangle. So this bat had to have <laughs> exchanged something with the pangolin through another animal. That's how that happens. So you take virus from one animal, the virus from another, and they both get into a certain animal creating this new virus. And then somehow, <laughs> there's no direct line here, they end up in a wet market, and where is that animal? And none of them have tested positive. There's flaws and assumptions with this article. When I asked Dr. Fauci, now that he says he's open to the idea that it could come from the lab, I took him through some articles and some very uh, great scientific articles saying how they could make a virus like this, just like this, they reverse engineering, mutagenesis. They can do this stuff in the lab, and it's all out there. And I asked him if he read any of that, and he said no. Well, So how, how thorough is this man being? Not, no, not really, no, or just no. ignoring, right? Well, and the other issue is how much money did Dr. Anthony Fauci make off this entire matter because there's been some senator Rand paul and others and between you and senator Rand paul we know a lot more about this the mainstream media will never cover this because they have sainted dr anthony fauci and sent him off with a golden parachute uh, is there any evidence that personally dr anthony fauci made millions of dollars off COVID 19 uh, well, I think that there very well could be, and that's why we're looking into it. And I will tell you, when we go to the agencies and we ask questions, uh, give us information about the grants, give us information about this and that, they fight us tooth and nail. That should not be how the American government works. This is a government of we the people. And when Congress says we need this information from agencies that we created, agencies that we fund, there should be no hesitation. We have to write two or three letters, they stall, we threaten subpoena, and then they come around, or we have subpoenaed to get a lot of the information that we have. It's absurd, and the American people deserve a whole lot better, and it's just one word, honesty. And that seems to be missing tremendously from the whole conversation, and there seems to be a lot of people that want, don't want us to know a lot of different things, and what you just mentioned is one of them, how much money was made, and what is that route. Congressman Brad Winstrip, six-foot separation, no science based upon that. Schools were closed. Fauci said he had nothing to do with that, which was a lie. The origins were less than truthful because the origins would indicate that the Wuhan lab funded by the American taxpayer created it. It was man-made. Masking, no double-blind studies on what kind of mask, how to wear the mask. None of that worked. Gain-of-function research, lies were everywhere by the officials and the bureaucracy congressman is simply waiting for you and senator Rand paul to leave office the fourth branch of government is the most powerful because they're not going anywhere and they know they're going to have democratic stooges supporting them and when you go after dr anthony fauci you're going to have the new york times the washington post cbs abc nbc coming after the critics and not going after dr anthony fauci and dr francis collins and what they did beginning four years ago or eight years ago because the truth doesn't fit the narrative. And as a consequence, we had a, a, a COVID-19 that uh, killed about 1 million Americans, which is something like one-third of 1%. One-third of 1% or less died of COVID-19, one-third of 1%. But there are more, more uh, effective viruses out there that exist that have a much higher death rate. The death rate here was largely among older folks and those who were immune compromised under the age of of 65, the great majority were older folks. But right now, there are viruses being created uh, in certain places, and I'm sure you're familiar with them, that indicate 
they might have a fatality rate of 70% or 50%, not one-third of 1%. So your goal here is to find out the origins and what to do to save the next one. Uh, what is yeah. what is your fear about this? What is your fear going what? forward? Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, you know, I sit on the intelligence committee, and when COVID started, I was first looking into, like, how do we diagnose this and how do we treat people? And it was vague. It was novel. But in the process, and even before COVID, I was interested in bioweapons programs of our adversaries, especially, and especially China, and so that's one of my biggest concerns is developing a, a weapon of mass destruction, basically. And are we prepared to handle that if and when no. it occurs? No. And so that China's been talking about this kind of stuff since 2005, and our State Department has, has uh, come out publicly and said that as far back as 2005. So how can you not look at the fact that China has these programs in Wuhan and not uh, put the two together and and there are people uh, that work with the military that uh, were working right. in Wuhan. So it, it, there's just so much there. The writing's on the wall. It's very dangerous, very serious. And I don't understand why this became a partisan issue. You know, uh, you look, there were 3,000 people that died on 9-11, and that was a catastrophe for sure. Uh, we went to war for 20 years, and we were united in that, especially at the beginning. Here, this happened, and it became a political nightmare, and I believe in part because it was a presidential year coming up that, that made it worse. Um, but 1.2 million died in this, and if you get a chance when the transcripts are released, you'll see that when the Democrats were asking questions, it was almost as though they were just the an addition, a few additional defense attorneys on behalf of Fauci. I mean, it really, yeah, they're, they're they weren't defending, asking any no, tough questions. No, no. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we yeah. have to run Brad Wenstrup, but I'll look forward to later this month or next month to watch him live on TV. It's going to be wild. But once again, I want to thank you and Senator Rand Paul for the work that you've done. Your voice is crying truth in the wilderness. Once again, uh, Congressman Brad Wenstrup, thank you for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. Thank you, Congressman. Thank you, Bill. Uh, let's continue. The line becomes available, 866-647-7337. That guy knows where the bodies are buried. And at this point, we have serious problems in the media, and the Democrats couldn't care less. Bill Cunningham with you every Sunday night. Hi, Billy Cunningham. Let's continue. Coming up next is going to be uh, Professor Bruce Fleming, professor at uh, Annapolis, going to talk about what's happening to our service economies, a service academy, shall I say. Uh, under the leadership of DEI, and this isn't, isn't just a Biden problem. It's been going on for many years. Professor Bruce Fleming from Annapolis from the Naval Academy is next. Bill Cunningham with you every Sunday night. Bill Cunningham, the great American. Of course, uh, we have difficulties many places. 
We can't get the right kinds of police officers in order to uh, serve in our major cities. The uh, recruitment uh, goals, enlistment goals of the U.S. military is uh, they're losing not uh, 10 to 20,000 a month and the best and the brightest are leaving. And of course, uh, one of the foundations of our country's greatness are the service academies. And uh, I can't speak more highly of my good friend, Roger Staubach. And uh, he uh, certainly talked the talk, walked the walk, did everything that he could. He was an American hero, in my opinion. He went through the service academy. And uh, we have uh, joining you and I now is Bruce Fleming, who spent about 30 years as a professor at the U.S. Naval Academy. He's written some 20 books. And uh, one of the books recently out is Saving Our Service Academies, the battle uh, with and for the U.S. Naval Academy to make thinking officers. And in the book, uh, there's a concern that this uh, gentleman has, and he spent decades at the service academies, that something is wrong. Once proud uh, citadels of virtue, the U.S. military academies have lost their way and are running on fumes. They need to be fixed before it's too late. And Bruce Fleming, welcome to the Bill Cunningham Show. It's because you have all the information, you were there. What is uh, some of the major difficulties, at least in the Naval Academies, West Point, and in Colorado Springs, what are the difficulties currently in the U.S. military academies? Yes, absolutely. That's uh, that's the focus of my book. Let me start by saying that I, uh, your verb tense, I have to object to that. Uh, I still am a professor at the oh. United States Naval Academy, oh. uh, but that's related to the problems. Um, I've been there since 1987, um, and uh, I started writing about these problems uh, probably 20 years ago, and the administration didn't like that a bit, and so they punished me in an increasing scale of uh, slaps. They weren't just slaps on the wrist. They were things like letters of reprimand, official letters of reprimand, loss of pay raise, uh, investigations that were cooked up in order to make my life hell. And they finally uh, threw their Hail, Hail Mary and fired me in 2018 uh, with no justification whatsoever uh, that stood up in court because uh, when the judge got his hands on it a year later, he reinstated me retroactively. So I'm still there. Uh, and, yes, we have problems. They, what I first started writing about was um, what seemed to me the clearly illegal uh, race-based admissions policy. So we're letting in kids. Uh, not based on their being the best and the brightest. We've let that one go down the stream. Uh, it's race. They're obsessed with that. They want non-white officers. Now, you can say that that's justified to some degree because there are a lot of non-white enlisted. But in practical terms, what it means is that a guy or gal who could have performed at a higher level at the Naval Academy is denied entrance, and someone who almost invariably performs at a lower level is given the slot. So I thought that was illegal um, yeah. even under yeah. the 2000. Sir, uh, right now you may be aware the Supreme Court has given the service academies a pass on that. So all right. of a sudden they're in clover. All of a sudden they can do what they say. So that's problem number one. And, you know, how I feel about it is one, th is one thing. I mean, I had just come, I, my PhD is from Vanderbilt, not too far from where you're sitting right now. Uh, in 1982, and I was a Fulbright scholar in West Berlin. I taught for two years in West Germany, but I came to Annapolis after two years in the Central African country of Rwanda, which you've heard of because that's where they started killing each other after I left. Thank goodness. So everybody's black in Rwanda. So race does not does not play a, a role. 
So here again on the admissions board at the Naval Academy, and we're purposely selecting according to race. That's racist. So I objected to it. Um, that, and I wrote about it. And the administration didn't like that a bit. So they started slapping me around. Point number two was uh, they're, they're picking up the vibes from the world outside, and they're taking marching orders from Congress. And Congress says you will... In, uh, you will put into play the Obama-era uh, understanding of what constitutes sexual assault and sexual harassment, which yeah. is to a very low bar indeed. I won't go into chapter and verse on how that works out, but the gist of it was that the men were set against the women. And all the, 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 in, in the first instance, instance with the, the, the racial um, admissions, most many of the black kids objected because they said, look, this makes us look bad. And, you know, I hate being one. One woman sat in my office and said she hated she they were trying to make her join the, the gospel choir. And she, she said, I should have gone to Howard, which is the black university, the preeminent black university in Washington. I said, why should you have gone to Howard? She said, because here they want me to be black. They want me to be in the gospel choir. She says, I can't sing. So that was point number one. <laughs> point number two, the, the sexual assault thing. Yeah, the sexual assault thing is it said, you know, the guy has, a, first of all, let me be clear. They're not supposed to even be holding hands on our, on our, in what was called the yard because right. it's a military installation. But of course, they're more than holding hands. We're about 40% women now. Out gays are permitted. Even transsexuals are permitted. So, of course, they're fooling around with each other. They're 18 to 21 or 22. They're full of hormones, and they're messing around. I mean, that's what happens on every college campus, only it's forbidden at Annapolis. So, under pressure from Congress, uh, the academies wanted, they actually wanted complaints of sexual assault to show that they were playing the game. So, a guy has uh, what he thinks is a consensual uh, relationship with a girl, and she's encouraged months after the fact, sometimes even months, to say, oh, no, well, she wasn't actually on board with it. She was pressured and so on. I saw that happen in, with my students. It sets the men against the women. The third thing is our newest in, uh, instantiation of outside forces, which is uh, what they call DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it oh. means oh. hiring people hiring people because they're not straight, hiring people because they're not, not uh, white, and teaching classes and all those things. So we now have, you know, it, the, the, the whiplash at, at the service academies is amazing. First they said, you know, no women, no, no way. Okay, in 1976 they got women. They treated them badly. Uh, for a while they said, no, no gay people, no gay people in the services. Oh, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, okay, you know, we're going to have gays. We have an LGBT uh, plus club. We have courses in that. I do not have a problem with that, but the, 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 it's, it's, the problem is that it, in the service academies, all this stuff, which of course are happening, the stuff that's, same stuff that's happening at civilian universities, is imposed by the power of the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Uh, so that means that the, the men can be uh, court-martialed if right. the woman makes the complaint. Invariably, when it gets to a real court, the, the Annapolis loses. But they're going to go with it. They're going to go with it. So, Professor, the, let, let, let's break this down a little bit because the U.S. Supreme Court did rule in the affirmative action case that for special purposes, the military is not covered by this. But you're saying, and you're on the ground, you're there. Uh, you, you know what's happening at Annapolis and the other service academies. That race-based admissions is inculcated within the fabric 
of, of Annapolis. That is, there'll be Asian kids, there may be Jewish kids, there may be white kids that are better qualified, better grades, whatever it might be, uh, and they are victims of race discrimination based upon the color of their skin. And because of that Supreme Court decision a few months ago, that's not going to change anytime soon. And you make the point in your in your book, Saving Our Service Academies, why hasn't the U.S. won a war since uh, World War II? Well, in the service academies, you have uh, black uh, cadets saying, now, wait a minute, uh, I feel as if I'm here because of the color of my skin. You put black against white, straight against gay, men against women, and military preparedness is certainly is, is affected. And, and so we now know why we have terrible. And one other point, and I want to get back to you on the sex scandal, I can recall 15 or 20 years ago when Colin Powell was, uh, was in charge, uh, and Colin Powell, Secretary of State, came up through the ranks and said the U.S. military is the most meritocracy-based institution in the country, that it's all based upon merit going back 15 or 20 years. He began in the service in the in 1970s, and, and he's now moved on, passed on. But nonetheless, what is the consequence, Professor Bruce Fleming? What is the result of DEI, well, almost like cancer cells, infecting our service academies in a practical way? What are the real impacts? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, the real impact I think you've already sketched. Let me, before I... Uh, build on what on on that on that point let me just say asian kids now they decided you were talking about asians being denied that was the harvard case interestingly enough at annapolis uh they decided subsequent to my being on the admissions board that asians were also a minority they were after so there are only about five six percent asians in and that includes indians that includes filipinos there are a lot of filipinos in the american navy and those are classed as asians Anyway, it's about 5% in, in the Navy, but they decided they were going to go after Asian kids. So we have a lot of recent Chinese immigrants. They're citizens. Everybody has to be a citizen. Uh, sometimes their English is not so good. Remember, I'm an English professor, so I'm very aware of that. Um, <laughs> so Asians, we actually go after Asians uh, in a positive way. But the, the, the larger point is what you're putting your finger on, that it's not just the service academies. It's the military as a whole. Colin Powell, you recall, was an ROTC uh, product. So uh, what people don't know is that uh, fewer than one in five officers comes from the service academies these days. That's not the case when that was not the case when Roger Staubach, Staubach uh, came through. So and it was not the case up until World War II. So in a sense, they've become much less relevant to our commissioning sources. Um, at, that's point number one. They also cost the taxpayers who are completely funding these places, a bundle, about a half a million dollars per kid. So the service academies taken together cost about, uh, according to the figures that I've seen, about $2.5 billion a year. Now, that's less than an aircraft carrier, but the aircraft carrier is going to stay around for a few years. So taxpayers are funding these places for what? Um, they, it just produces 
bad feelings on the part of the students. They all, sure. I mean, I talk between three and 4,000 students. A lot of them come uh, to my office and, you know, ostensibly they want to talk about their bad paper. So we talk about their bad paper and then they open up and they're so disillusioned. I mean, you can't, you have no idea just how negative these places are for the students. But of course, that's not what the administration no. projects no. to the outside world. No. So uh, let me share with the American people a couple of your sentences, which I think explains it. You say the U.S.'s military academies preach morality, but exhibit none, and scandals abound. From constant cheating scandals among midshipmen to constant underage drinking, raunchy sex in the dormitories, uh, you examine the lack of morality in the service academies. Duty, honor, and country. I can recall, and I play it now and then, 1964, the Damon Thayer Award was given to General Douglas MacArthur. Duty, honor, and country. I don't care if our military is completely black, completely white, completely Filipino, completely Indian. Uh, I don't care. What I care is to have a service academy producing the leaders to kill the nation's enemies and break things up. That's why they're there. And it's not a welcome wagon socially. And so in the 30-some years, I guess, my gosh, you got like uh, 36 years into this deal. How has the academy changed at uh, Annapolis from the time you started until today? All of these, all of these things have gotten worse. Uh, and they've gotten worse because the relevance of the academies, I mean, you're invoking the glory days and nobody respects that more than me. I mean, I, my heart goes, goes thump, thump when I, when I think about that. Of course, free women and so on, they had it, they had their, uh, negative, it had its negative sides as well. But those were the glory days of the academies. And then, uh, they've become irrelevant partly for reasons I'm talking about before. They just produce a, a much smaller percentage of the officers. And there's no, there's by no metric, are they any better? And you don't want them to be better because 82% of the officers come from somewhere else. And you want all the naval officers to be good. So it's these three things that I say the culture wars have landed uh, in the service academies precisely because they've become less relevant. And that's, that's a, they're, they're all about show. I say that they're the, the vanity project to the military brass. And that's why they wanted to shut me down. I mean, this, the book is my, it's partly a memoir, you know, it's my experience there, but I'm just, you might say the canary in the coal mine. If they shut down fact-based objections to what they're doing inside of their own ranks, that's me as a tenured professor. What are, I know, I mean, I'm going to say, I'm going to put this as a question, but I know the answer. The question is, what are they doing in the real service? And I know the answer because I talked to former students. They, they get people, disastrous uh, social engineering that is happening in the fleet is you can't object to it. If you're a junior officer, you have to please the person who's one level above you. And of course, the enlisted can't complain at all, basically. It's a culture that's, that, you know, that it's, it's the culture wars of the three things that I mentioned that have, have changed the academies, but it's also their position in the world. And the result is, what we're talking about we can't we can't we shouldn't be in some of these places no uh, of course it's the civilian it's the civilians who send the military but the military can talk back and they're just not doing it so it's a culture of pleasing your commanding officer and if not the commanding officer has a four-sided fit and the academy had a ten-sided fit with me and continued to have so that's what i want changed and that's what's going to have to change 
That one's a big order. So I'm not sure how that's going to happen. It's more rationality. It's more talking. It's more respectful dissent. All of mine was respectful. It was articles written in the Washington Post, for example, the Christian Science Monitor uh, for the Federalist and so on. So, uh, you know, they ought to have been listening to me. This is my personal beef, obviously, and it, it's, it was what's so frustrating. But, you know, in the fleet, my equivalent is some grizzled old enlisted guy, some Marine who's been at, you know, some forward base for ages. He knows what's going on. You're a profiling courage. You remind me of the ethic and the duty, honor and country of people like Douglas MacArthur and individuals like that. The, the, uh, you're not afraid to speak up. And uh, at this point, uh, God bless you. The book is Saving Our Service Academies. It's everywhere. And uh, Professor, once again, uh, the, ethics, uh, uh, the, the ethics of someone like Roger Staubach uh, doesn't exist so much anymore. It is sad, but it's got to change. DEI is a cancer, and, and it spreads its cells all over for political purposes. It should be based upon merit and not sex or not gender or not race. It should be based upon merit. And Professor, we got to run. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to keep this, and maybe in six months or so, I'll give you another call to see if any, anything changed. And uh, Professor Fleming, Bruce Fleming, once again, thank you for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. Thank you, Professor. Yes, yes sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care God now. Bless you. Keep going. God bless you. All right, let's continue with okay. Bill Cunningham with you every Sunday night. My Billy Cunt. Hotels. Econo Lodge and Roadway Inn Hotels are serving up double points for every qualifying stay. Book at choicehotels.com. Now, here's the man who's been recognized as radio's best. The recipient of not one, but two prestigious Marconi Awards for his broadcast excellence. The one and only, Bill Cunningham. Billy Cunningham, the great American. Of course, Scott Powell is one of the great uh, thinkers in America today. He's a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute. And he has a timeless book out, Rediscovering America. Rediscovering America is the title. And God, is, is that needed today? Number one Amazon, new release in the history genre for eight consecutive weeks. Still available, Rediscovering America. Scott Powell, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. A few days ago, uh, you penned a column that's been a lot of places. I've seen it, uh, Real Clear Politics. I've seen it on Newsmax, uh, entitled uh, Americans Can Defeat the Enemy's 16-Point Demolition Plan in 2024 when i speak and god i'm positioned in a great way to hear from different viewpoints there's a general feeling on both sides of the political aisle everywhere i turn we have nothing but chaos and that is if trump is reelected i can only imagine what the elites will do to him at that point with the more indictments more lawsuits it'll be completely chaotic on the other hand if biden slash kamala harris Gavin Newsom, Michelle Obama gets elected, and we continue the policies that have been enacted the past several years. In that case, 
we have complete utter chaos. So in Trump's part, we're going to have chaos caused by the left with good governmental policies. On the other hand, we're going to have the interchangeable drill bit, the Democrat, continuing Joe Biden's policies, which is why I much prefer a Donald Trump who has chaos all around him constantly, but his policies work, as opposed to the Democrats have chaos everywhere and their policies don't work. And there's been a sense, maybe I'm talking a little bit too much here, that, that we're kind of slowly beginning a slide in American society for the reasons you point out in your column. And, and right now, the last three years has been a collapse. Well, you begin by saying, what is difficult for many to understand is that America is being destroyed from within by elites in and out of our government. So for those whose normalcy bias is strong or those with a tendency in denial, let us review the components of internal demolition currently taking place inside the United States. And Scott Powell, number one of the demolition by the elites is the southern border, number one, open border policy. Please explain to the American people. Well, <clears throat> on the border, you know, any nation needs to have borders. It needs to have um, uh, people who have shared values and a shared history because that's what makes up a nation. And when you don't have borders, you don't have a nation. So we have two things going on. The open border policy has unlocked the floodgates of what's known as replacement migration, which it, this idea comes out of the United Nations, by the way, and replacement migration displaces American citizens from access to jobs, housing, health care, and, and schools. And, and these people are really at the lower, the lower end of the economic, uh, uh, you, you know, the, the economic spectrum in America because uh, that, that's, you know, the, the new people coming in are going to be taking jobs away from that, you know, the, the working class, really. Secondly... We've had a we've had a you know an assault on the foundational uh, ideas that that constitute that define us as Americans: life, liberty, individual responsibility, uh, you know, the the ability to, you know to own property and have it protected. And we've had decades of government, uh, public school, uh, undermining these values and the media media indoctrination as well. And so. We're facing a, a frontal assault and subversion now from the cultural Marxist side and a rewriting of the American past, and we can see that in the removal of all these wonderful monuments that, are, that define us who we are, where we've been. And, you know, we don't – we're not a perfect nation. From no. the beginning, we've never been perfect, but we're a – we learn from our past, we learn from our mistakes, and we make progress. That's always been the vision. That's the vision that most of us have for our own lives that we want to make progress, <clears throat> we learn from our mistakes, and nations do that too. And yet, and yet uh, the, you know, the enemies of America want to destroy us. Why is so that? They, I mean, this is my question. Why, and many of them are internal to this country, Marxist, leftist, progressives, they want to destroy our magnificent cities, they want to destroy law enforcement, they want to destroy uh, the family life, they want to destroy religion, what is the motivation? I can see Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, okay. But what is the motivation uh, of the Claudine Gays and the, uh, the elites in Hollywood and Washington and Chicago, New York? What, what's the motivation to destroy the country from within? Why? 
Well, they don't really always know exactly um, what their vision is, but they're unhappy. These are largely very unhappy people. I mean, do you know a leftist no. who, who, who's happy? No. no, these people are unhappy, and rather than deal with themselves, confronting the, the causes of their real unhappiness, their internal strife, they blame others. They blame the institutions of society, and uh, you know, and that means they blame all of all the American institutions. So they they're at war with America because uh, somehow they think that if we can bring this system down and replace it with another, that they'll be happier people. I mean, I think that's a very short, partial answer. Scott Powell, it's awful because in California, the governor's providing Medi-Cal free medical care for 600,000 illegals, taking the place of those who need medical care in California, jobs, housing, health care, schools, massive in-migration. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's happening right now. And so you just look at the status of Chicago, New York City, Portland, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Just look at what's happened the past 20 years. No one objectively can look at that and say, man, we need more of those policies. We've got to bring those policies to, to Nashville. We've got to bring those policies all over the country. Uh, so let's go to two or three more of the components of the internal demolition happening. Well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I really think that, that the core, uh, you know, we've talked about these two, two things, but right behind them, and perhaps at the very top, is the removal of religion and belief in God from the American schools and cultural institutions. Yes. And, and that vacuum gets replaced by secular progressive creeds, notably cultural Marxism. And this is brought about a society characterized by people of weaker individual character and a society characterized by division and frayed social and political fabric. This is what Marxism is. It's called class warfare. Marxism is constant class warfare. Who wants to live in a society with constant class conflict and warfare? No one does. And yet these people are using it as a sledgehammer to keep us divided, to keep to weaken America so that we ultimately fall. And then, uh, you know, and we also, look, we, we know that the ongoing sexual revolution really negatively affected family formation and family life. You know, divorce rates have skyrocketed since the 19th. Uh, re reality has, has, it's beyond that, where we now have uh, a normalization of transgenderism which has brought about mass confusion among younger people, high suicide rates, and the undermining of women's sports. My gosh, don't women deserve to have yes. sports? Yes. What their happened? own sports where they're competing against each other? I mean, this is, re this is insanity what we're doing to our, our institutions. You know, the, the recklessness of Title IX in the beginning was overcome, and right now as the grandfather of a granddaughter, and I talked to Chris Collinsworth about this, 
Uh, and he is 100% as I am for Title IX, equal opportunities for women, women and girls. The crowd that championed Title IX is now telling us that men can play women's sports, that somehow completely flipped. Two issues I want to get to, because th th your article, uh, Scott Powell, is so good. Number 15, the reckless increase in U.S. national debt escalates risk and makes America unsustainable. In 2003, what, 20, 21 years ago, the U.S. national debt stood at $3.9 trillion. Today, it's $34 trillion. So in the last 20 years, it's gone from 36% of GDP to 123%, an increase of 772%. And this year, this fiscal, beginning October 1st, we're going to borrow another $2 trillion that we don't have as far as that the eye can see. We don't have it. we got to print it. And, uh, and by 2030, <clears throat> it's going to be $40 trillion. This yes. is funny money. How does that work? Yeah, well, let me paint a picture to the audience in very simple terms. If you have no equity in your house, let's say you had a, you know, you, you had a large mortgage, but then the value of the property fell, so you have no equity in your house, you've maxed out on your major credit card. Uh, it's maxed out, and you got to service that credit card, or you're you're going to get foreclosed. You're going to have problems. So you take out a second credit card. You draw that down to pay the first credit card. This is where America is right now. We are borrowing money to pray to pay the interest service on previously issued debt. And meanwhile, we're growing the debt. Uh, you know, debt is growing at about eight and eight and a half percent a year. If you if you look at yes, there are ups and downs, but if you look at the trends over the last twenty years, last twenty three years, the growth rate of debt has been steady and sometimes more, but it's an eight eight and a half percent growth rate. Meanwhile, our economy, uh, which backs the debt, our GDP backs the debt, is growing at barely two percent a year. So you, you've got divergent paths of debt growth and economic growth, and ultimately this can't go on much longer. But what there will be a total loss of confidence in the U.S. dollar, a collapse of our bond market. No one will buy our debt. Then what? Interest rates go to twenty percent. Uh, we're going to need could. a we could, we could have in America what has previously happened in other third world countries that borrow too much money, that print too much money, where their currency gets sharply devalued. Sure, right. that can happen. Absolutely. In fact, it, happened, it will it happen. happen in the number one industrial power in Europe. That was Germany. Weimar Germany had explosive uh, inflation that destroyed the mark. How, did, how could that happen in the most advanced industrial nation in Europe? Well, it happened because they printed a lot of money. And that's what America has been doing. Scott Powell, let's move on to two more that are kind of related. I always viewed American soldiers, sailors, Marines, and I always viewed cops as the guardians of our freedom to make sure we have the opportunity to pursue our dreams. And two of your 14 points deal with, number one, the military. Right now, we can't find the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. He was the guy who testified under oath that the two biggest problems the American military has today is, number one, is white supremacy, and number two is climate change. We have to mitigate the impact of U.S. military bases on climate change and white supremacy. They conducted this year-long uh uh, investigation of the U.S. military and found no white supremacy. In fact, they did find the great majority of soldiers that are killed and wounded in battle are white males, and they have no, no more white supremacists than you or I, plus the issue of law enforcement cops. 
young men, young women don't want to be cops and they're not joining the military. They're kind of related. Why, why are the Marxists uh, encouraging this kind of an attitude of no cops, uh, poorly positioned? The Mexican bakery in, in L.A. was rammed with a stolen vehicle. A horde of 100 went in to steal cakes, pies, and donuts of a Mexican family bakery at 4 o'clock in the morning. Plus, you have ten to 20,000 per month not being enlisting and recruited into the military because why form a group filled with all those white supremacists in the U.S. Army? How are those two events related? Well, I think you've answered your own question, Bill. <laughs> uh, the enemy wants to destroy law and order and wants to destroy our military capability. So these institutions are being t attacked from within. Um, and we're seeing the result. We have chaos in urban America. Cities across the United States have escalated crime rates. And as you point out, we, we, uh, we have a shortfall of recruits enlisting in the military. And this is a serious problem. I was talking to a military family just uh, a couple of weeks ago, and their son, who's serving in the Navy, uh, was home, and he, he just candidly said, you know, the good people are leaving, and the, the not-so-good performers, the, the lower end, stay, and they get promoted. So what, basically what he was saying was that the officer corps that's getting promoted are not the best and the brightest. Right, <laughs> so, right. In fact, in fact the, so, so we, the we have a deficiency of leadership in the military. Look, look at Lloyd, Lloyd Austin. He's, oh, what kind of an example is he? He's very overweight, and he, he violates the fundamental rule of keeping a chain of command in place. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, when you might have to be away, you've got someone covering for you. I mean, he violated the fundamental tenet, just as Milley did when he went over in the interim period between the election of, of 2020 and, and the inauguration of Joe Biden. There's, a, you know, almost a couple of, well, there is, there's a couple of months or more yeah. space there. Milley calls his Chinese counterpart and says, look, we'll, we'll keep our eye on Trump in case he does anything unusual. You know, he, he might, uh, you know, he, he, since he's been elected, you know, he, he, there's rumors that he may want to have a coup d'etat stay in the White House. And we'll, right. we'll alert you if there's any, any threat to China. This was a fundamental violation of the Constitution. Scott Powell, he said mm -hmm. to his counterpart, the chairman of the Chinese chief of staff, look, I'm going to tell you our military plans ahead of time if they arise. And isn't, to, to me, that's treason. So you got Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, communicating with his counterpart in Beijing, talking about American military plans. And you got Lloyd Austin that's got to weigh 350 pounds, who's AWOL for five or six days. Then you got Joe Biden stumbling off the stage in Valley Forge in, in South Carolina. His wife, Dr. Jill, has got to take him by the arm to help him get off stage. And then a Secret Service agent has to help him get in the beast. That, that, that's our military leadership. We have 15 minutes from an ICBM launched to hitting in Ames, Iowa, right in the middle of the country. And you have in the chain of command, you got the Secretary of Defense, who is AWOL, and even Democrats are now calling for his investigation or resignation. We can't have that. Scott Powell, I don't know what to say. I've scratched the surface of your article. It's, it's everywhere. Scott well, I, Powell. I close yeah. the article by reminding uh, the people, and I'll remind the audience, that we who are 
common sense people believing in God and believing that there is right and wrong and good yeah. and evil, yes. uh, we far outnumber these elitists you know, who want to transform society, want to break America down. We far outnumber them. So we've got to, yes. uh, you know, we, we've got to push back and rediscover, uh, you know, the importance of being involved in your, you know, in, in our future of our we country, gotta, in our lo locality, in our national. We've got to get out the vote, uh, and we have to ensure we have honest elections. Yeah. Uh, we, need to, we need to volunteer and, find, and rediscover the joy of serving other people. I mean, Scott that's Powell. what makes us different. Great point. And uh, I tell you, well, let's keep the lines of communication open. This country's worth saving. We must be like oh, William of Wallace and Braveheart yelling about freedom. Take out my guts, but I will remain faithful. We got to be American patriots and warrior poets. Scott Powell up against the clock once again. Uh, thank you for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. Great column. I'd encourage the American people to get it. And the book, of course, is Rediscovering America. Scott Powell, we got to run. But thank you again for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for your patriotism. God bless you. All right, let's continue with more. The line becomes available, 866-647-7337. Bill Cunningham, the great American, with you live every Sunday night. Hi, Bill Cunningham. If you want to read the column of Scott Powell, it's at Newsmax and a bunch of other locations. The headline is, You Bet Americans Can and defeat the enemy's 16-point demolition plan in 2024. We cannot survive four to eight more years after November of the Marxist Democratic progressive policies of Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Joe Biden, doesn't know what he's doing, Michelle Obama, doesn't work, we can't function, the country's done. And that uh, column by Scott Powell lays it out fairly well. Bill Cunningham with you every Sunday night. Bill Cunningham, the great American. Of course, we know what's happening with the Donald, Donald Trump. He's been uh, ordered uh, off the ballot, so to speak, by two states at this point, which is Colorado and uh, the state of Maine. There are several other states wanting to do exactly the same thing, waiting for a Supreme Court decision. Arguments are going to be around February the 8th. Plus, there's other actions taking place in all the states, some by Republican governors and Republican attorney generals and Republican secretaries of state to bar Joe Biden from the ballot because he's giving aid and comfort to the enemy, which is uh, one of the reasons in the 14th Amendment that uh, someone uh, cannot stand for election. Of course, the argument ought to be, I thought the Democrats cared so much about democracy. You know, it's all about democracy. Democracy is on the ballot. Well, the Democrats are working hard to make sure that the leading presidential candidate of the Republican Party uh, will not be on the ballot. They've thrown everything at them from the beginning to the end. Civil lawsuits and negative media coverage for months and years. They've thrown 91 count indictment and none of it worked. In fact, it's boomerang the opposite direction. One poll in Michigan came out uh, uh, over the weekend that had uh, the Donald up nine points over Joe Biden in Michigan. And if that's the case, not even close to being the case, then uh, uh, Trump's going to have a second term. So uh, it's ugly. But one thing we ought to do is believe in democracy, let candidates run, let them make their cases, and all of a sudden uh, we'll have a uh, uh, rightfully elected president. Well, uh, according to Michael Letts, 
Michael Letts has been with us a few times. He's a law enforcement veteran with over 30 years of experience under his belt. He's president, founder, and CEO of an Invest USA, an organization that provides uh, bulletproof vests for police officers so uh, badly needed. Michael Letts, welcome again to the Bill Cunningham Show. And, and Michael Letts, can you tell me, make a little bit of an argument, just as an American, why Donald Trump deserves to be on all 50 state ballots plus Washington, D.C., which he can't win? Well, thank you, Bill. It's always a privilege to be on your show, and I appreciate the opportunity. But this uh, particular issue is extremely important to every American, whether you agree, don't agree with Donald Trump, whether you like him or you don't. And here's the crux of the reason why this is such a crucial matter. What they have done, Bill, is to say that the president cannot be on the ballot because he is guilty of insurrection via the 14th Amendment. The only problem with that statement, Bill, is he's never even been indicted for insurrection, (laughs) much less tried by a jury of his peers and convicted. So here's why it is important to you, I, Democrat, liberal, makes no difference who's listening to our voice right now. This is why it's urgent for you to listen to what's going on. If we have changed the basic fundamental law in this country for the last 250 years of jurisprudence, that you are innocent. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. To approving guilty. And now we have taken the point you are guilty and don't even have to have a jury or you mean indicted. We can just say that we don't like what you did and automatically you suffer the consequences of whatever that action can be. We are worse than a dictatorship and a tyranny. That is the ultimate abuse of power. And that is why it is critical that the Supreme Court, of course, you're seeing a number of states, 29 states, I believe it is so far now, that are coming out to support the Supreme Court in hearing this case and to make sure this does not happen. Because of just what you said earlier, it's actually about 18 states that are considering keeping him off the ballot. Of course, you know, what's a uh, turnaround is fair play. If they want to do that, then we can just say that we think Joe Biden is guilty of treason. No need to indict him. No need to have a jury convicted of that. We just think he's guilty of treason. He should automatically be barred as well from the ballot. So you can see the hypocrisy and the total the idiocy in this kind of thinking and how it has to be stopped. But unfortunately, Bill, this is par for the liberal democratic left-wing ideology. They don't have any sense, common sense, or any other kind of sense anymore. They just do things that are totally irrational. Michael Letts, I would say this. I spoke to uh, someone connected to the Trump campaign for the presidency, and I, I made their point that, uh, how is the Donald doing? How, how is he physically? The man is almost 78 years old. He's facing the rest of his life in prison. He's facing the bankruptcy uh, of his prized properties in New York City, New York State. Uh, he's looking at, in addition to that, 500 or so different lawsuits where various entities all over the country are suing parts or all of the Trump uh, uh, business and uh, the Trump enterprises. And so I can't imagine to be 78 years old, 
to look that they want to put him in prison for the rest of his life. They want to give him life imprisonment, Donald Trump. They want him locked up and they want him bankrupt. And the uh, and the party doing this is uh, New York City politics, Atlanta, Fulton County politics. And uh, a prosecutor uh, has some serious difficulties of her own eth ethically. We may talk about that. Plus Washington, D.C. And so I've made the point. And you're in law enforcement. I've been an attorney for many decades, tried many cases, 25 murder cases, for example. And justice is the judge and justice is the jury. And so whether it will be reversed on appeal, if he actually gets a criminal case in front of a New York City jury or an Atlanta jury or a Washington, D.C. jury, he will be convicted almost irrespective of the facts, because that's what juries do to, uh, to Trump. And uh, Republicans, uh, would you agree that it would be inherently disgustingly unfair to have Donald Trump go to trial before November the 5th, the election, when so much is at stake on the southern border and Ukraine and Israel, what's happening with the military, and th that it would be ridiculous for the American people to have no choice for the presidency but Joe Biden and uh, to say to Donald Trump, you're a convicted felon. And at some point, he's going to have to face a jury probably in something, maybe a civil aspect. He committed no crime that is recognizable by the criminal statutes as judged by the behavior of the Clintons, Obama, and Biden themselves. They've done worse things with, and got a Texas El Paso. Does he have a chance of being found not guilty before a jury in Washington, D.C.? No. Absolutely no. not. No. You, you, you hit the nail on the head, Bill. It leads to a, to a bigger issue, which is one I have been talking about for a number of months now. We have unfortunately gotten to the point in this country where we have so weaponized and politicized the not just federal agencies, but the judicial system, that the only way I can see uh, a positive outcome of this, before we're going to have to do this before the elections, is we're going to have to move to a military tribunal and have military intervention. Really? So you're saying you call out call out the U.S. Army at some point? Well, here's how it works. It's very, very simple. Well, you know, the Constitution provides for military tribunals. The War Powers Act does the same thing. The Constitution has a military tribunal called by the Commander-in-Chief. Well, you know Joe's not going to do it on himself. No. But the War Powers Act allows Congress, beginning in the House of Representatives with the Speaker of the House, to, to call together a military tribunal. Military tribunals are very specific. You can only utilize them for, for a few key things when you're talking about military personnel, when you're talking about citizens. One of those is a compromise or of national security. I can think of no greater case than the open borders and bringing terrorists in and allowing the destruction of our border system to threaten every American citizen as being an issue of abuse of national security. It's a direct violation of what the Constitution requires that we provide protection for our people. But I think a military tribunal needs to be held to hold those that have that responsibility, i.e. the president, the vice president, whoever she's the borders are, Homeland Security Director and others, to be uh, held and tried by a military tribunal. Now, you know, a tri military tribunal has to complete its job within 30 days. Right. And uh, here, here's the issue with the military tribunal. They don't say, oh, Bill, we think you're guilty. Now we're going to send it over to the Department of Justice for them to act on it. Nope. <laughs> the military has it from start to finish. They determine whether you are guilty 
uh, with junior officers, not military, not senior officers who are political appointees. This is all junior grade officers that sit on those military tribunals. They make that determination. They determine, yes, you're violating the law. The law says here's the penalty court, and we're going to follow through with the penalty. In the discussion. I, I, I'll say this, Michael Letts. We have chaos. Everywhere I look, We, if Trump, uh, in September and October, if he's not uh, locked up, which is a possibility, because who knows if he's convicted in a jury that the judge is not going to lock him up immediately, which would be utterly ridiculous. It would be a crisis. But we have chaos in this country. If Trump appears to be heading toward the presidency in September and October, I don't know what the elite media would do or what the Democratic Party Department of Justice would do. Right now, he's being prosecuted by left-wing, far-radical extremists and uh, like Fannie Willis in Fulton County and, uh, and also by uh, Braggs in New York City and Smith, part of the U.S. Department of Justice. And by the way, his appointment may be illegal. So on one hand, we have com- complete, utter chaos. So if Trump wins, uh, we're going to have chaos. He's got the right policies. Those are going to work. But the next four years right. are going to be one, one hell of a ride. Secondly, if Joe Biden slash Kamala Harris slash Gavin Newsom slash Michelle Obama, if they win the presidency and they continue uh, November 5th of this year, the same policies that Joe Biden has had the past three years, we have wide open borders. We borrow $2 trillion a year, either that or we print it up. American military prestige is in the toilet. Kind of get out your crystal ball, Michael Letts, and let's say the Democrat wins in November, and we have the same policies for the next uh, four years beginning in November. What kind of condition are we in? Well, here's where we're at, and this is what I'm trying to prepare the American people for. Either way, you cut it, whether you said Trump got gets elected or whether the Democrats maintain control, we're going to have that military involvement. And uh, what does that mean? People are scared to death. It does not mean martial law. It means a very limited role. But if you have the Democrats, we cannot survive those policies. And no. every veteran and every service member and every law enforcement officer, because we take the same oath, that is taking an oath to defend and uphold the Constitution, will have to rise up and make sure that that uh, obligation is fulfilled, regardless of who is behind the administrations. You know, if Trump takes over, here's why we are still using the same analogy. The only way to get control of the security for this country, we have over 10 million illegal immigrants in this country that we have no idea what their background is. We know thousands of them are on the terrorist watch list. We know that for a fact. The only way we're going to be able to get security in this country is we're going to have to round up every illegal immigrant. Do you know the manpower, the logistics that's necessary mm. to do that in a timely mm. matter, Bill? Mm. The only mm. people that can do that will be the CIA. They need to be held accountable for their actions. Only the military can do that. Now, lastly, Michael Letts, uh, one other issue. I have noticed that uh, the recruitment goals of the military are down by like ten to 15,000 per month. More and more of those in the military are leaving the service. Secondly, police officers all over the country are under a vicious attack physically by the news media, by Antifa, by Black Lives Matter, by liberal Democrats all over the place. I'll give you a, a kind of a sad example. Uh, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and one of my guests in Cincinnati repeatedly have been uh, Sergeant Dan Hills, who uh, spent, spent 35 years in law enforcement, 
And I said to Sergeant Dan uh, a few months ago, would you advise a young person? In fact, I said to him, you have a son that's age appropriate. Would you advise him to become a police officer in this environment? And Sergeant Dan Hill said to me, you know what? When I took the uh, test in order to become a cop, it was at the Duke Energy Center, and there was 3,000 people vying for 30 spots in the recruit class, 3,000. He said, now we can't, we can't get two or 300, and most of them can't pass the drug screen or they're physically not able to do the job. And he said, no, uh, and he almost had a tear in his eye, Michael Letts, and he said, you know what? I would tell my son, do not get into law enforcement. And how many Americans are saying, I'm not getting into the military because I got TikTok videos and YouTube videos I, I got to create, I got to look at. I, w- I want to be an influencer. And so just, okay. j- just step back a little bit. When Americans do not want to become cops or soldiers, what does that say about our great country? It tells you that our country is on the verge of destruction. And I use that word on the verge. I do believe we have one more opportunity, but this is the year. You know, we will either go forward as a great nation or we will be listed in the history annals as a nation to tell. But it will happen this year. Because we, we can't keep borrowing $6 billion every day in brand new money to pay for social welfare spending. Uh, in California, uh, Medi-Cal cannot afford 600,000 illegal aliens to be part of their medical system because you won't have medical care for the rest of you can't have a school system in Chicago and Detroit that is nothing but daycare that's all it is and you can't have teachers that are knocked out and disrespected and people do not how about this teachers cops and uh, soldiers kind of like the foundation of, of this country and now I'm being told that they can't fill hundreds of teaching positions. There's a collapse of public education. I'm being told that the military is short 10 to 20,000 a month in recruitment. I'm told that law enforcement, guys like you, simply don't want to serve because of a lack of support. And I saw in the news this morning on one of the shows that San Francisco is offering $110,000 for recruits to become police officers in San Francisco, $110,000. Now, uh, and, no I, and they don't have people getting the job. Uh, Michael no Letts. Yeah, it, it's horrible, Bill. I'm familiar with all those things. That's why I so appreciate your show and what you're doing. The time to act is now. We don't get a second chance, Bill. All right, we got to run. Uh, do you have a website to where I can send people? Please, www.investusa.org.org. It's a charity or restoringjustice.us. Both of those have everything on there you need to do to help get engaged and make this country free once again. Michael Letts, L-E-T-T-S. Michael Letts, once again, thank you for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show. And let's pray to God the Supreme Court intervenes at some point, wipe away the impediments, and let Donald Trump run for the presidency again. Then we can decide who our president is, not the Democratic Party in New York City. And uh, once again, Michael Letts, thank you very much for coming on the Bill Cunningham Show, and let's do it again. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. God bless. And God bless America. Let's continue with more. If a line becomes available, 866-647-7337. Bill Cunningham, the great American, live with you every Sunday night. I'm Billy Cunningham. Thanks for listening. And by the way, one little side note. I'm watching CNN earlier today, which I seldom do. I do, so you don't have to. 
And uh, they related the fact that weather is different than climate, that because it's cold everywhere. I'm broadcasting tonight from southwest Florida, and guess what? It's like 49 degrees. It's cold everywhere. But we're told now that uh, climate has nothing to do with weather, and weather is not climate. When it's real hot, guess what? That is indication of global warming. But when it's real cold, blizzard-like conditions, once again, don't assume that has anything to do with global warming. It's simply an anomaly. If it's wet, it's global warming. When it's dry, it's global warming. When it's cold, bitter, it's global warming. When it's, uh, when it's hot, it's global warming. Whatever the question is, is global warming. And meteorologists that can't predict the weather next week is telling us in 75 years what's going to go on. Don't believe it. Thanks for listening. And please, if you live in Iowa, vote early and vote often for Donald Trump. Bill Cunningham, the great American, with you on this bitterly cold Sunday night. What if you could build a six-figure retirement income with almost half the money saved? You heard that right. Get a discount on your retirement, creating a six-figure income with 40% less than traditional 401ks and mutual Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.